call from my dad some time ago, and he said, Steve, I'm looking at a boat, and I'd like for you to come look at it with me. And uh, I, I thought that would be fine, and so we set a date, and I met him in San Diego, and we made our way to look at a boat. As we walked on this boat, it was beautiful. It was, it was incredibly clean, and if you know much about boats, it's kind of hard to keep them always smelling good, especially if they're in the ocean water. And, and uh, this boat was just really clean, and, and uh, it was obvious the owner had taken great care. So we were there, the owner did meet us, and he was kind of showing us around and lifting things up to show us how clean it was even in the bilge area and and uh, it was incredible and this man began to tell us how much he loved his boat and how much he'd enjoyed spending time on it with his family and and uh, he just kind of went on and on and it only made sense for my dad to ask him after all the good things he said about the boat so what are you selling it for and the man's response I, I remember he was very emphatic he, he said like this he said I have cancer and it's bad. That's just how he said it. He said, I have cancer and it's bad. And my heart just broke for the man as we continued talking. We tried to steer the conversation towards the things of God and there was really no interest on his behalf to hear those things. But we had a friendly, a cordial conversation. As the man continued to talk, he told the story of someone who, as he said, earned everything he got in life and he had started a business and it was very successful and he began to... Uh, talk about some of the good things and good times and and yet as, as he as he came to where he was at that moment in life there was a complete and utter dissatisfaction as you can imagine he said I worked my whole life to get all this stuff and now I'm just having to get rid of it all what a sad thought you see his plan was well thought out it was well executed and and it worked out just the way he thought it would with the exception of the very end he lived with a purpose in mind a, a passion led the way but left him empty at the end now, our current studies is called lifeboats and it emphasizes the fact that God always has a plan and Noah and his experience on the ark showed us that when it looked like God didn't know what he was going to do next that ark told us God has a plan. We've learned in the course of our study that God has the power to quiet a storm and that God can use a storm to even bring purity to our lives. Jonah would have helped us to understand that. We, we have seen that God uses water times, stormy times to prepare us and, and protect us. Today I want us to see as we continue this series how that God has a purpose today. Now, here's how we sometimes look at it. God, would you help me to know what my purpose is? And, and we act as though God's got one purpose for every human being that lives on the face of planet Earth. And we'll often tell people that. There's, there's a reason for you. And although that's true in a sense, I want you to know today, God does not have a reason for you and you and you and you and you and you. God does not have a purpose for every person. God has one purpose today. And it is so big and incredible that it's got a place for everybody in God's one purpose. What is God's one purpose today? What is the overriding reason that God is working today? Well, I want you to know it's a purpose that, that's worthy of a life of devotion, and you can live your life for the purpose of God without any disappointment at the end. The purpose for God in our time and space is that His message of salvation will get out to everybody. It's his desire. Now, I know we could, we could you know, talk about the, the nuances of it all. No, we're here to glorify God, or we're here to serve God, or we're here to worship God. And, and, and any way you slice it, the end game of Christianity is that we would be people who would tell others 
about God. If you're here today and you're a Christian, there's one reason God didn't zap you to heaven the moment you got saved. It's because you have a job to do. It's to tell others how you became a Christian so they too can come to know Jesus Christ. And so as we think of this purpose today, I want us to understand that we don't have to go through life just hoping that we've got a, a, a valuable purpose to find out we've, we've been wrong. We, we don't have to invest our time in a purpose that's not worthy of our time. We can be encouraged today. And if your Bibles are open to the Gospel of Mark chapter 1, I invite you to join me in standing as we look to verse 16. Mark chapter 1 is where we're going to be today. I love this passage of Scripture. Mark chapter 1 and, and verse 16, the Bible says this, now, as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, to kind of give us an idea of what's going on here, the he who's walking is Jesus Christ, God the Son. He's walking by the Sea of Galilee, and, and the Bible says he saw Simon, that's Simon Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And Jesus said unto them, Come ye after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. And straightway, or immediately, they forsook their nets and followed him. And when he had gone a little further thence, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who also were in the ship mending their nets. And straightway he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the ship with the hired servants and went after him. I want you, if you would, to go to the end of verse 17. And there's an expression I want us to think of together today. Uh, the last words of verse 17 say this, fishers of men. Now, I want us to think of that together this morning. Fishers of men. Our Father, thank you that when we open the Bible, we're not just opening a book that contains your word. We are opening your word, your truth. And God, I pray that you would help us in our study today to, to really discern uh, your purpose. And may we live for that which you would have us to live. Be honored and glorified in this time, we ask, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. you. May be seated. To say that Jesus Christ was in the midst of a tough time would really be a complete understatement. At this moment in the life of Christ, He's just coming out of 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness without eating as He's being tempted by Satan. He emerges from that time, and immediately before the verses that we read, we know that Jesus has a relative, a cousin, John the Baptist, who's also a friend, and he gets word that John the Baptist has been imprisoned, really just for doing what a, a believer in God should do. He was telling the truth and, and saying those things that needed to be said, and, and Jesus gets the word that this one he loves is, has been imprisoned, and, and there's so many things on his mind, so many things on his heart. I just want you to imagine Jesus Christ is God the Son, and he's the Son of God, but while he was all God, he was also all man, and so here he is in the midst of his ministry, and, and his heart's heavy. There's a lot of things going on in his heart and mind. But we find in Jesus one who lived in the midst of a world that clamored for his attention, yet he was able, because of a purpose, to keep a razor-sharp focus in life. The Bible tells us that Jesus sees two men that he already knew, uh, Simon Peter and Andrew, and, and they were working their job as fishermen. And when Jesus saw them, he said unto them these words. He said, Come ye after me. He sees these men that he already knew, and he says, hey, fellas, come after me. I want you 
to come after me. Now, I want us to think on what that means practically to us today because that call is for all of us. It wasn't just for those two men. If you have your notes nearby this morning, I I want us to begin our study by considering when Jesus says, come ye after me, we can learn this. Jesus wants us to follow him. He wants us to follow him. Now, it's imperative before we move one more inch into this sermon that we get some things completely understood. And I really want you to listen because if you miss this, the rest of the message could lead you down the wrong path. I am not in the least bit at this point in our message talking about becoming a Christian, placing your faith in Jesus Christ, trusting Him as your Lord and Savior. I'm not talking about that at all right now. That's not what's happening in this text. In fact, we find that these men that Jesus is speaking to, Simon, Peter, and Andrew, they already knew Jesus. Their faith already had been placed in Jesus. In fact, maybe you remember hearing of the very first miracle Jesus ever performed when he turned the water into wine at the marriage in the town of Cana. That has already taken place by this point in Scripture. They'd already been with Jesus. They already knew Jesus. To a degree, they'd already followed Jesus. This was not a call for them to become Christians, so to speak. This was Jesus Christ very specifically saying, I want you to follow me with your life. It was a call to discipleship. It was a call to take the next step, the next level in their fellowship. Now, we know from God's Word that it is His will that people come to Him in faith. That's clear. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9, the Bible says this for us. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but you know He's long-suffering to us, Word. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I want you to know if you're here today and you're not a believer, Jesus loves you. And He knew of all of our needs and He's provided to meet that need. And it's not God's desire, it's not His will that, that any should perish. He's made a way for everyone to be saved. But if you're here today and you're a Christian, you've accepted Jesus as your Savior, I want you to know that God's plan for your life, it's bigger than that moment in which you trusted Him as your Savior. Now, I'm not making light of that moment, but God's got something more for you to do in life than just simply become a Christian. I think many Christians are content to be saved of their sins, assured of a home in heaven when they die, maybe to attend church and and kind of go through a routine to a degree, and maybe not be completely devoted to God. And I think that many Christians are that way because many pastors like me are content to see people become converts to faith in Christ and sit in a church and not willing to take it to the lengths that Jesus did and say this is a radical thing we're talking about. It's a call to discipleship, to be a follower of Jesus Christ. So I thought of that this week. I thought, you know, I'm sure I've, I've been wrong at, to, to our church at times, not emphasizing the absolute necessity of coming to know Jesus as our Lord and Savior, but beyond that, being a fully devoted, yielded follower to Jesus Christ. 
And friends, I want to say today in no uncertain terms, I'm sure over the years I have failed to emphasize this as I should, but I want to be crystal clear today. This is our purpose, our process. This is our passion. This is what it's all about. God's desire is that those who aren't saved would be saved. And we'll talk more about that. But His desire for people of faith is that we would become followers of His. Jesus wants us to follow Him. Jesus said very clearly these words, Come after me. And let me tell you who that's directed to. Anybody who knows Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Anybody who's a Christian today by that definition. To you, Jesus says, I want you to come after me. Follow me. That means He's calling us to Himself to go where He's going, to do what He's doing, to care for what He is caring for. And friends, I want you to know that that God never calls us to do something until we first learn how to become in Him. Now let me tell you what I mean by that. He, He calls us first to be His followers in our hearts, in our lives, before we we begin to do what He calls us to do. Sometimes we get a well-intentioned desire in our, in our hearts. We think, you know, I want to do this thing, a good thing. And, and, uh, and, and because of this desire we have to do something good, we, we move ahead. But if our actions in life are not preceded by a thriving personal relationship that spends time with Jesus, we will either fail miserably or succeed even more miserably. Because with Jesus, it all begins not with doing things, it all begins by just being with Him. It was a call to Himself. He said, come here. Come after me. Follow me. Come to me. I think of Mark chapter 3 and verse 14 where the Lord develops this any, even further. He says He ordained 12 that they should be with Him and that He might send them forth to preach. If you think preaching is important today, preaching of the truth of God's Word, say amen. Preaching is always to be preceded by being with him when Jesus called his disciples he said look you've got a lot to do but here's where it starts be with me come after me fellowship with me get to know me his call is a call to fellowship the second thought we'll see in this text at the end of verse 17 this really emerges we discover that Jesus wants to do a work in our lives someone asks does Jesus want to do a work through our lives I'd have to say absolutely but it all starts with Him first doing the work in our lives. So we, we know that we've got a great purpose in the world today. We've got to get the news of Jesus Christ out to everybody. But where does it start? It starts as we follow Jesus. And then secondly, as we let Jesus do a work within us, right in the midst of, of our hearts. Now, we come to Him, we follow. But He begins a work as we get to know Him. I love the wording of Jesus in this text. I want you to think of this. In our text, it says this, Jesus speaking. I will make you to become fishers of men. Now, every time I read that, I just think that's too many words. Every good writer knows you've got to be more concise than that. There's just way too many words in that statement. You don't need them all. You could easily remove a number of words and it would still say the same thing. I'll make you fishers of men. That makes sense to me. Or, or you'll become fishers of men. That seems like it would work. But let me tell you what God the Spirit is doing here. There's no loop, uh, loopholes in this. In the most emphatic way possible, He's crafting in these words a statement to help us understand that as we follow Him, He's going to do a work in our lives that starts from the inside and out. He's going to make us to become. He's going to do a work in our lives where we can grow and emerge more and more like Him. I remember when our girls were very young, 
I really wanted them to be thankful. I've learned along the way that children that aren't thankful aren't happy, and the homes they live in are usually not happy homes, and unhappy children usually grow up to be uh, or unthankful children, unthankful adults, and if you're not thankful, you're not happy because you're not appreciating what's around you. And so when someone would maybe give a gift or show a favor to our children, I'd always tell them, say thank you, say thank you, you know. And I found that I could make them say thank you, but that's a lot different than making them be thankful. I could force them to repeat these words. That's very, very different than having a heart that truly is filled with gratitude, that, that understands the time or the expense or, or the love that went into something that, that they received. And so I had to learn in that process that I had to trust God to do a work. Now, I'm not opposed to teaching them to say thank you, but, but it had to be an inside job, something in their heart working on the way out. Now, Jesus does this same thing in us. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 8 and verse 29, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. There's a lot that could be said in, in this verse, but I want us to bear down on this thought that we are to be conformed to the image of his son. That's God's work. He says, come after me, follow me, get to know me. And what you will find that is in the course of your Christian life, when you enter it by faith, your life will be conformed, it will be shaped, it will be crafted so that it will look more and more after the image and the likeness of God the Son, Jesus Christ. Now, we're not perfect, and none of us are on a perfect curve upward in life, but in theory, as we come to the Lord, we, we come to Him by faith. And when we follow the Lord, here's what He's saying. I'm going to do a work in you. Not a work from the outside in like the world would do. I'm going to do an inside job. I'm going to start in your heart. And I'm going to work so that you look more like Jesus in the course of time. In Philippians 1 and verse 6, he encourages us this way. He said, being confident in this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you, that's the Lord, he will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. He started a good work in you. And he's going to continue. He's going to perform it. He's going to accomplish that which would be pleasing to him. God does not just tell us what to do in life and how to, how to do it. He says, let me do it with you. I'll be right there with you every step of the way. As we move on in Philippians, Paul develops this thought by saying this. He said, it's God. It's God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Friends, let me tell you this little word right here, will. That's your desire. And the Bible says as we get to know God, He brings us to the place where we begin to desire, to long for, to have a will for things that we never would have before we knew Jesus as our Savior. We get to know Him. He works in our lives and our desires change. And not only do our desires change, but the ability to do what now we desire to do comes along with God working in our hearts. Again, we're not perfect. We're all a work in progress. And this matter of salvation all the way to glorification when we're in the presence of God, this is called sanctification, where God is shaping us and molding us and building us and doing in our lives that which needs to be done. But I bet if you're a Christian here today, you'd say, you know, Pastor, although I'm not perfect and I routinely get it wrong, you would probably say, there are some things in my life I now want to do that I did not want to do before I came to know Jesus Christ. And I'll tell you what's happening. He who began a good work in you is performing it, and it's God that's working in you, and your will is beginning to change. And that which you need to get the job done is beginning to emerge. 
one of the real evidences of spiritual maturity is a desire to do what God desires to be done. It's a, it's a care for that which God cares for. It, it's a life that says, God, your purpose is now my purpose. Jesus wants to do a work in our lives. And the next thought we'll find in verses 18 to 20 helps us to see that following Jesus requires commitment. When Jesus shared that it was his desire that these men follow him and fish for men instead of fish, uh, the Bible tells us they forsook their nets. And those are just words, really, but that's a big deal. They forsook their nets. I mean, just think of the wording of all this, how, how the Bible puts it. And they left their father Zebedee in the ship with the hired servants and went after him. There's a lot of words in that verse that made their decision to follow Jesus big time. I mean, how about father? The father Zebedee, they left him in the ship. I mean, they left his ship. They left hired servants. We'd say employees. And, and they went after Jesus. This, this was a costly decision they made to follow Jesus Christ. And the point of this text is not that we are to leave our jobs and so forth, but I do want to say this there are going to be times where there's going to be a major commitment on your part if you're going to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. And I believe this with all my heart today. There are some in this room right now that, that as you want to grow in your life for God, He's going to put on your heart to be a leader for Him in a special way. And it's going to require a special commitment. And you'll never regret living a life of commitment to Jesus Christ. I remember years ago when I was working at a at a job and having a degree of success I hadn't arrived I hadn't made it but I was starting to figure things out and do well and and the Lord began to work in my heart and and say Steve you know I want you to, to do something different for me and he began to lead me in the path of ministry I remember we had to leave a job that was paying the bills and leave a region where all our family and friends live and go to a part of the country we'd never been before and do things that had never been done before and and it was all very unsettling walking away from comfort and so forth and and the familiarity, and I want you to know this, Lisa and I have never regretted for a moment any decision we made that was consistent with our commitment to walk away, to forsake some things, to leave some things. Sometimes if you want to draw close to Jesus Christ, you have to leave something else that's preoccupying your attention. Jesus was always careful to let those he called know that he was not inviting them to an easy life. Jesus was not a televangelist. He was not a health, wealth, and prosperity guy. Come after me and it'll be just great. No, he was pretty clear. In fact, Jesus was emphatic. Listen to how he said it in Luke chapter 9. He wanted everybody to know. He said uh, uh, to them all, If any man will come after me, and is that not the call that Jesus extended in our text, come after me? If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. This was Jesus saying, hey, I want to be clear. There's difficulty in every life. There's going to be trials in every life. And if you follow me, that will be the same. Even the term fishers for men he used, that implies you're not always getting everything done you'd like to get done. They say that's why they call it fishing and not catching, because sometimes you're not as effective or productive as you'd like to be. But if you were the one without Jesus Christ, if you were the one without Jesus Christ, wouldn't you want someone looking for you? And I think Jesus is making that point clear. I read a compelling story recently of, uh, of a little boy's name is Ryan. It was really an article about autism. But I told the story of a boy by the name of Ryan Peel and his family's uh, dealing with, with that. And 
told of the occasion when they went on a, a trip to New Zealand and, and he was responding well and doing great and they were on a wilderness hike enjoying the time and, and sure enough Edward Ryan's father began to look around he couldn't find him anymore and so he ran all around still couldn't find him got the park rangers got people looking and, and uh, as evening was drawing close it was getting very very cold and a lot of fears of, of hypothermia and so forth and people looking everywhere and, and when they finally found him at 9 o'clock that night, Ryan, the article said, was sitting in the midst of a stream. Five years old, sitting in the midst of a stream. Obviously not a very big one. But the article shared that many times children with autism, they find great comfort in, in water and the sound of, of moving water. And, and how ironic is it that in his moment of need, he kind of sat down in a situation where hypothermia was a concern he sat down right in the midst of a situation that made his problem worse he turned to uh, something that made his problem worse rather than than better but people found him and the good news is he was able to uh, be saved and warmed and, and and everything was fine but as we think of this as a church family we need to understand something jesus saves isn't just a slogan it's a reality he does and if we believe that, we have to understand that those without Jesus Christ are not saved. And the opposite of being saved is being lost. And if we're saved unto eternal life, and eternal life is in heaven, the opposite of that is being lost, and it's not eternal life. It's eternal separation from God in the awful place I don't even want to talk about, but it's the place the Bible calls hell. And there are souls at stake. And so Jesus is saying it is exceedingly important that you represent me by getting the word out isn't it interesting that sometimes those who are lost try to find comfort from the very things that are separating them from God following Jesus will involve us reaching out to those around us we're to be fishing for men and by that we mean we're to throw out the lifeline of the gospel message we're to let people know there is a God in heaven who loves them and a savior in Jesus who died for them and a salvation that is available to them through faith Friends, I'm saying this today. If you'll make a, 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 a decision to follow Jesus Christ and to fulfill His will of getting this message out, you're going to discover that God will bring people into your life that He wants you to talk to for Him. Several weeks ago, we had a couple visit our church, and as they were leaving, I was talking to them out front, and, and uh, they said some nice things, and that's always nice. They don't always say nice things, you know. Sometimes they just say things, and sometimes not so nice things and this this couple said nice things and i appreciated that and and uh, as we were talking i said you know I'd, I'd love to get to know you guys a little better maybe, maybe we could have time to talk and they had some questions about uh, about the church and and i'd known that the man in that couple had been uh, led to christ by another man in our church he was a christian just just had recently accepted jesus as a savior and and the wife from what i understood uh no testimony of salvation at all and and uh, they wanted to know more, and I wanted to tell them more. And I said, well, man, let's get together. They said, all right, what's good for you? I said, how's Tuesday sound? Yeah, that'd be great. So appointment was set. Tuesday rolled around, and I'd been looking forward to the visit. Um, I love sharing the gospel message. I love it. I love telling people that don't know, you can know. And just seeing the light come on and see them turn to faith in Christ, and it's awesome. It's like my favorite thing to do. And so I was really looking forward to that. Well, as, as Tuesday rolled around, a call came into the office that uh, they couldn't keep their appointment. And I was disappointed. It was kind of late in coming. And I remember that day we were having kind of our visitation meeting. And I was going to head out after that. And Brother Tellus was my partner that night. And, and uh, I was really looking forward to it. And then it got canceled. And so we just kind of uh, decided, well, well, we'll take another visit. And, and we walked out in the parking lot. And I got my truck and shut the door. And literally as my door shut, 
uh, this couple came in and they're now walking up to the truck. And I'm thinking, man, did I totally mess everything up? Was our appointment here at the church? I'm trying to figure out what's going on. And, and, and I got to talking to them and, and they shared with me, no, I didn't get it wrong. We did have an appointment. They canceled the appointment. It was supposed to be at their home, but, but uh, th- they just decided we've got to talk to you right now. So we went in my office, and I told Brother Tellis, hey, I'll see you. And he went on with whatever we were going to do, and I was able to talk to that couple, and, and I shared the gospel, and, and that lady trusted Jesus as her personal Savior. Wonderful. Passion, death, alive. She's, she's now a Christian for eternity. That's great news. I share that story with you for this reason. You see, I really wanted to do what Jesus would have us to do, tell them about the Lord. And I tried to orchestrate it. It just wasn't coming together the way I wanted it to. And this couple who had canceled an appointment because at some point in the day they thought, you know, we'd rather not talk with that guy about that, okay? And then as the evening came on, they decided we absolutely need to talk to him. And uh, they just made their way down to the church. Friends, God can divinely orchestrate the events of our lives to help us to do what we never could make happen on our own. Jesus says, just come after me, and I'll make you to become fishers of men. And we'll find that the people around us, God will bring them into our lives. And what we need to do at that point is just simply speak a word of encouragement. I wonder how many neighbors or coworkers or friends or family members are connected to those in this room who need someone to do more than just be a Christian in their presence. They need someone to speak of Christ in their presence we may need to walk away from some things to get to them as these did but if we want to be fishers of men that's what we'll do to be true followers of Christ that's what we'll do the final thought today is very short but I think it's important when Jesus says come to him we must go now those who who knew Jesus The the words were, come here, come ye after me. And they did. Simple thought, but it's a thought we have to conclude on today. They made a decision. Jesus extended an invitation, and they made a decision. I'll follow him. They decided to make others a priority because others are a priority to Jesus Christ. They simply found their fulfillment in being an extension of Jesus in their corner of the world. They understood that they are the arms, so to speak, and the voice, so to speak, of, of Jesus. And so Jesus said, hey, here's how it works. If you're a Christian, come on, let's go. There's more meaning. There's a greater purpose. Follow me. I've got something I need you to do. I want you to be fishers of men. And they decided that's what they would do. I I want you to realize there's a truth we need to get a hold of. A decision was in order. Jesus extended an invitation. And it was either yes or no. Now maybe someone could say, well I'll just be very, very quiet. I'm not voting. I'm a conscientious objector. Um, But the problem with that is our indecision is a decision in and of itself. And it's basically a decision to not. And this came to a point where these people had to say, look, this is what Jesus is saying. The decision's in order. Often speak of the decision to respond to God's grace and become a Christian. But today I'm really speaking of a decision to be a truly dedicated follower of Jesus Christ. I'm talking about finding our purpose and His purpose and following Him. The invitation's been given and the decision is yours to make. 
I've been a Christian for many years. If you uh, were to give me a form to fill out to check a level of, of faithfulness, if it would have said, you know, do you go to church? I could have checked it. Yeah, every week. Do you give tithes and offerings? Absolutely. Do that. Do you help out at times at church? Yeah, I, I did all those things. But here's the fact. In my heart, although I was going through some religious motions, although I truly was a Christian, I knew in my heart I was not a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. He was a part of my life, but he wasn't my all in all. He wasn't the driving focus. There was a disparity between who I was and, 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 and the life that Jesus was calling me to, to, to live. Again, if you'd have asked me, are, are you a, a Christian? I would have said yes, but I knew in my heart. As I evaluated my life, I began to look down the road and I couldn't help but just see kind of the, the absolute vanity in it all. That's just me. I had no visions at that time of coastline or any of the rest of it. I just was at a moment in time in my life and I thought, all right, if I extrapolate what I'm doing and times a bunch of years by it, where will that lead me and what will that mean? And I came to the conclusion that I, I didn't want a life that gave Jesus some time on Sunday and maybe some time during the week. I wanted a life that was lived exclusively for Jesus Christ. Now, I knew that didn't mean become a monk and go live in a cave somewhere. What I meant by that was this. I, I don't want to be a, a duplicitous, hypocritical kind of guy. I want to take my faith to work. And so that means I'm going to show up on time because a Christian would do that. Otherwise, you're, you're not being honest and keeping your word. And I want to be diligent in my work ethic. And, and uh, I want to do a good job to produce. And I want to have a good testimony. And I want to live for Jesus Christ on the job. I, I wanted to make sure that Jesus was with me in the commute. And, and that all that was said and done in my life would be honoring to the Lord. I did not know where that decision would take me. But at that time, I just said, Jesus, you have extended a call to me and every believer to follow you, to be a fully devoted follower. And I said, Jesus, that's what I want to do. And I remember on the floor in that second story apartment where we were living, I made a decision. Jesus, you've saved me. And I want to live for you in your glory. Help me. And when I made that decision, I haven't had another problem since. Actually, that's not true. I've had a lot of problems. But, you know, you're going to have a lot of problems no matter what your purpose is. But I found that when my decision is to live for Jesus, He's there with me and He helps me and He empowers me and I have someone to go through those times with. Changed, it changed everything, you know. And that thought that many times Christians are content to just be Christians who come to church and not be disciples is because many times pastors are just content to have converts who attend church and don't become disciples. It, it struck my heart. Because Jesus has absolutely extended an invitation to everyone here who knows him. And it demands a decision. You all have a decision to make today. All. Now maybe you're here today and you say, oh great, I'm not a Christian, so I'm off the hook. All right, I've got great news for you. Uh, Jesus is extending an invitation to you today as well. And it's not to be the fully devoted follower we've talked about all day necessarily. It's to 
it's to know that you have a relationship with him that provides the forgiveness of sins there's there's no work at all that's done to be saved we're saved by faith because of god's goodness and grace and love to us of course once we're saved there's there's plenty that we get to do for the lord but none of it's to gain an acceptance it's because we are accepted friends this message is for everybody today you have a decision to make please don't let your mind coast through the end of this service because indecision is a decision in and of itself as Jesus shares this truth with you what's your heart's reply would y'all be so kind as to join me in, seven, in standing this morning heads are bowed and eyes are closed I want us to just